This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program, which I believe at last count is our 578th episode of Radio Parallax. Which I guess means if all goes well, sometime in about January, we will air our 600th program, which we can promise you will be something special. Probably bring back our very first guest, Mr. Ed Hunter, for starters. Ed is a bit of a legend in the central Sacramento area. And we will no doubt talk to some KDBS people who have helped uh, us over the years bring this program to you. And if we haven't done it by then, we'll probably take a trip up to Chico to visit our pals up at KZFR. But let us begin today's program as we like to do with On This Date in History. The date in question today being the 25th of July. And as is sometimes the case um, with some dates that are less earth-shaking than others, our date in question today turns out to have been something of a slow news day. For example, on July 25th in 1593, King Henry IV of France converts from being a Protestant to a Roman Catholic. On July 25th in 1871, perforated wrapping paper was patented by Seth Wheeler of Albany, New York. I told you. On July 25th in 1943, Benito Mussolini, fascist dictator of Italy, was voted out of power by his own Grand Council and arrested upon leaving a meeting with King Victorio Emmanuel, who told Il Duce that World War II was lost. We do want to note editorially that posterity owes a great debt of thanks to Benito Mussolini. For some reason nobody can figure out, apparently Adolf Hitler thought highly of Il Duce, and thus maintained him as a close ally, even when Mussolini got into a bit of trouble. For example, invading Greece without telling his German allies. And then after invading Greece, getting his butt kicked. And then after getting his butt kicked, having the Nazis have to go in there and rescue him. It's felt by many that the 10-week delay that this caused in Hitler's invasion of Russia, his having to go in and uh, pull Mussolini's chestnuts out of the fire, was instrumental in the defeat of the Nazis by the USSR. Mussolini's legacy was summarized by writer Isaac Asimov as saying that it it was possible to regard anything in the great catastrophe of World War II as being comedy relief. It would have to be the actions of the Italian government. All right, continuing our slow news day on July 25th in 1965, as we mentioned on last week's program, folk singer legend Bob Dylan allegedly changed the face of rock and folk music forever by appearing at the Newport Folk Festival with an electric guitar. And I think we'll close today's segment with a few uh, cogent remarks by Donald Fagan about Bob Zimmerman, also known as Bob Dylan. All right, July 25th, 1994, Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin and King Hussein of Jordan sign a declaration that ends their 46-year state of war. Rabin's efforts to bring peace to Israel were rewarded by right-wing settlers in the occupied territories who later assassinated him. 
Anyway, on a slightly less unhappy note, July 25th, 1999, having overcome cancer, Lance Armstrong became the first cyclist of an American team to win the Tour de France. For more on the Tour de France, I would refer you to the book written by James Raya on the subject, which apparently includes a forward by Lance Armstrong. My understanding is that nowhere in the entire book does Raya stumble upon the fact that there appear to be some anabolic steroids being abused. Which I guess is what can happen when you allege yourself to be a reporter while you're wearing blinders. Not that we have anything against Mr. Raya. We hope he'll write some puff pieces about us someday. Our quote of the day comes from Richard Branson who said, When you lavish praise on people, they flourish. Criticize and they shrivel up. By the way, Mr. McMillan, you're doing a fine job over there. Our quip of the day, and I have to admit, I do like this one, comes from astronaut wife Barbara Cernan, who said, If you think going to the moon is hard, try staying at home. Our stats of the day, and we've got a few of these, are as follows. Apparently, many Americans aren't planning for death. A legal services site has found that 57% of adults in the U.S. did not have a will. Even among adults between 45 and 64, 44% had not drafted one. Which reminds me, i got to redo mine. Because as you know, where there's a will, there are relatives. And yes, for that para-prosdokian, which calling Dr. Andy, that's a term I was unfamiliar with. Well, hold the phone, we'll have more of those in a minute. Let's see, a couple more stats. How about this one? Social Security is not the deal it once was. A married couple that earned average lifetime wages and retired in 2011 paid $598,000 in Social Security taxes over their careers, but could expect to collect only about $556,000 in benefits. Whereas a worker who retired back in 1960 could expect seven times more in benefits than he paid in, according to the Associated Press which unfortunately reflects some of the ugly realities of Social Security, which in America is a sacred cow, but is in reality just another tax. All right, and from our archive stats, a few months back I went out in the garage and pulled a bunch of papers we used for Radio Parallax long ago, and here's one from 2004 that's worth taking a look back at. Two of them, in fact. According to The Economist, The average American man spends approximately 33 days of his life removing facial hair. And our bookend stat from the Washington Post, which noted several years back that Americans in 2001 spent $25 billion with a B, which is, by the way, more than the gross domestic product of North Korea on recreational watercraft. Which raises the question, do we really need to fear a nation that is unable to outspend what Americans do on recreational watercraft. Anyway, but for our jokes of the day, let's go back to Paraprosdokians, which were actually sent to us by Elise, who tunes into the program down in San Diego, California. Elise noted that these are figures of speech in which the latter part of a sentence or phrase is surprising or unexpected and frequently humorous. It's noted that Winston Churchill loved these. And I think we'll do six. Starting with, knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. 
Here's one that apparently the Department of Defense has taken to heart. To be sure of hitting the target, shoot first and call whatever you hit the target. As reported on Radio Parallax on more than one occasion back during the Gulf War when the initial uh, data showed that the Pentagon's Tomahawk missiles were shooting down all these scuds being fired over the Middle East, only upon subsequent analysis it turned out that, well, maybe there weren't as many intercepts as they thought. In fact, after further analysis it turned out that, well, they hadn't shot down a single one. This caused the Pentagon to redefine intercepting the missile as, well... One missile goes one way, and one missile goes the other way, and up in space, they, they pass somewhere. Not hitting each other, they, they just pass. So I guess, per this parabrosdokian, uh, the Pentagon was just calling hitting air, hitting the target. Moving right along, here's a good one. You do not need a parachute to skydive. You only need a parachute to skydive twice. <laughs> Here's one I'm sure my ex-girlfriend memorized. I didn't say it was your fault. I said I was blaming you. And here's one we live by on Radio Parallax. If I agreed with you, we'd both be wrong. And finally, my personal favorite. The last thing I want to do is hurt you. But it's still on my list. Elise, we thank you. And you know, we do. Use the materials you send us, dear listeners, so please keep them coming. In fact, let's pause a minute and back into some, uh, some, some things we have been sent over the past few weeks. Pablo from Zacatecas, and we suspect not only is his name not Pablo, he's probably not from Zacatecas. But at any rate, on July 30, he sent us the following. Up in Washington State, the word freshman is out and first-year student is in. In fact, 40,000 words have been changed up in Washington State as part of an effort to rid state statutes of gender-biased language. A bill signed into law earlier in the year by Democratic Governor Jay Inslee went into effect as of the 1st of July. The article notes this was no small task and quotes a rather cryptic remark by Democratic State Senator Gene Cole Wells of Seattle who told Reuters, This was a much larger effort than I had envisioned. Mankind means man and woman. Uh, yeah. But anyway, up in Washington State now, a fisherman is now a fisher. Which is a bird. I'm sorry. Anyway, wait. Penmanship is called handwriting. Because I guess the manship just irks some people. They do note that a manhole cover is still, well, a manhole cover because some words don't have an easy replacement. The piece others do. His, for example, is now his and hers. Clergyman is now clergy. Journeyman plumber is now journey level plumber. And as far as we can tell, Washington State Assemblyman is now... And after bagging on uh, math, as we like to do, or at least how it's taught in America, something we like to do on this program, Steve from Chico sent us a short and sweet joke, which was that there are three kinds of people, those that understand math and those who don't. 
to which we'd like to add that great quote from Robert Benchley. There are two types of people, those who divide people into groups of two and those who do not. And we also have to thank uh, Gary Chu, our, our good pal, for sending us this edition of The Borowitz Report, which is as follows. Dateline Tallahassee, arguing that its current system of laws is out of step with life in today's Florida. A growing chorus of lawmakers in the state are arguing for a measure that would eliminate laws altogether. Said Governor Rick Scott, a supporter of the measure, Florida is rife with laws that say, do this, do that. Speaking as a Floridian, I found it exhausting pretending to obey them. <laughs> Borowitz notes that according to a poll commissioned by the Political Action Committee, Citizens for a Lawless Florida, there's broad support in the state for abolishing laws. According to their poll, a majority of Floridians favor ridding the state of laws, while a sizable number did not know that the state had any. We have to admit, Borowitz is a bit of a national treasure. And finally, this little tidbit set to us by Millicent, who noted that her definition of old was now defined by the fact that she recently confided to her best friend that she was having an affair. And her friend turned to her and asked, are you having it catered? All right, let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to New Scientist magazine, it was a good week some weeks back for Sherman Williams with the news that nanoscale studies of chips of paint have apparently bolstered the notion that Pablo Picasso created some of his surreal masterworks with ordinary house paint. Apparently historians have long suspected that Picasso was one of the first master painters to switch from traditional oil paints to the fast-drying enamel paint normally reserved for household work. Now, why anyone should care about this, I don't know. But it will give us a chance to use Pablo Picasso as our bumper music, which is frankly an opportunity we, we can't pass up. And it was a bad week last week for the National Rifle Association, although more specifically in this case, American Legacy Firearms, with the news that the gunmaker has unveiled the Dallas Heritage Rifle to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Lee Harvey Oswald's assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Said company boss Steve Failer, If I hurt somebody's feelings, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to worry about it. That's the spirit, Steve. We do want to note someone wrote us sometime back and asked for more talk of the Kennedy assassination and now in its 50th anniversary year, as we just said, and we're going to do that probably on next week's program. Because I've got some news for Steve Failer. The best evidence would probably, the best evidence suggests it was not Lee Harvey Oswald that assassinated President John F. Kennedy. He appears to have been, as he said he was, a patsy. That's all we'll say about that today. Moving right along, it was an ugly week last week for America's disgrace of a legal system. Once again, with the news that a Tennessee lawyer is suing Apple. He's claiming that online porn gave him unrealistic expectations of sex. Chris Sevier blames Apple. Yes, he blames Apple for failing to warn him of the dangers of viewing porn on the company's products, which he says left him, quote, 
desiring younger, more beautiful girls featured in porn videos, end quote, instead of his wife, quote, who was no longer 21, unquote. Boy, you think lawyers are getting desperate? Piece in the business section of last Sunday's B noted that the demand declines for law degrees, to which we would add, finally, although I guess I'm inspired in making that remark by <laughs> David Letterman, having made it recently in his program, in conjunction with the news item that someone had now developed a battery <laughs> that was powered by urine. But in this piece by Jack Newsham in the B, it was noted, quoting somebody from Downey Brand, a Sacramento law firm, that frankly it's a buyer's market for young lawyers. There's somewhat less hiring demand, so the pool of candidates we are seeing now, versus say five to seven years ago, is an extremely high caliber pool. Well, now there's a concept for you. Let's send people to law school that are high caliber. But lest we digress, let us note that it was both a good, I guess, and a bad, and, and probably an ugly week also, last week for Scottish tourism, with news that actor Charlie Sheen apparently flew his private jet from the U.S. to Scotland so he could hunt the Loch Ness Monster. Charlie, who has been accused in the past of being under the influence of a substance stronger than a cocktail, and also perhaps deranged in his own right, Evidently jetted to the famous lock and then jumped in a boat to search for the mythical serpent. Noted the sun in the UK, he was armed only with a bottle of scotch. And we're sad to report that Charlie Sheen apparently gave up after four days during which Nessie failed to make an appearance. All right, and speaking of stupid items from the news, and how's that for a segue? Apparently, last week... America's own Securities and Exchange Commission has now lifted an 80-year-old ban and ruled that private investment groups, venture capitalists, and unlisted companies can occupy any billboard, commercial spot, and newspaper ad they well please. What does this mean? Hedge fund ads are going to come your way. Now, I have to confess I'm not an economist and I don't know a great deal about hedge funds, but I do know that they are financial instruments that are less well-controlled and riskier than more conventional investments, which as far as I can see probably puts them on par with Sheldon Edelstein's Macau casinos in terms of their investment potential. Even Bloomberg.com noted that when it comes to hedge funds, the, the firms aren't regulated like public companies or bond issuers and they can choose what information they disclose to investors. I don't know about that, dear listener. If you're like me and you have any kind of uh, investments out there, you, you will regularly get in the mail these portfolio summaries that are written apparently in Sanskrit, and which no matter how many times you try and read them, they appear to make no sense. So I don't know what kind of information we're getting on a good day, but at any rate... On the pro-hedge fund side, CNN.com noted that uh, this change just makes the very difficult process of fundraising more efficient by allowing hedge funds to get their message out. Adding that if you're an accredited investor, these ads will have the same practical impact on you that Porsche ads have on me. And in response to that, as quoted in The Week, Heidi Moore in The Guardian said, Well, if that were true, the wolves of Wall Street wouldn't be so keen to advertise. They clearly covet the money of some 9 million Americans who are millionaires on paper, most of them baby boomers with inflated retirement accounts they'll soon cash in. But those 
unexperienced investors should be wary. Hedge funds are risky. They charge exorbitant fees, and when it comes to returns, most of them, for all their fancy strategies, don't beat the S&P 500 index. And again, I'm no expert, but I know if you want to invest in the stock market, you want to, don't want to try your hand at picking the winners among the losers on the stock market, you can always invest in an index fund which spreads your money around the whole damn stock market. So when it rises, your investment rises. And I guess this is why on places like Marketplace and the nightly news and your newspaper and splash pages of, of Google, etc., you, you'll, you'll find out what the stock market did that day. Did it in the aggregate go up or did it in the aggregate go down? Which I've always thought of as being about as useful as finding out whether the average daily temperatures across the United States went up or went down. I don't know. When it comes to regulating the weasels on Wall Street, uh, we do note that good guy, former New York Governor Elliot Spitzer, is trying to work his way back into politics. Spitzer did a fine job in trying to institute some level of legal ethics uh, in the Big Apple, for which he paid a very heavy political price. Not to say that we're condoning his cavorting with prostitutes, but I would note that, uh, you know, all he was doing with her was kind of what Goldman Sachs was doing to all of us. All right, we got to take a short break. I think I'll move those remarks we're going to talk about from Donald Fagan into our third segment. Instead, in our next section, talk to Vladimir Zarevika, our aviation correspondent, about what happened in SFO earlier this month. This never happened to Pablo Picasso, Pablo Picasso, Pablo Picasso, Pablo Picasso. And guys are the color of avocado when he drives down the street in his El Dorado, El Dorado. 